podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, we're back for 2024. Amidst the transfer talk, Continental Cups, manager merry-go-rounds and a rumble at the Royals, I'm joined by Matt, Deck and Greg. Gladiators, are you ready? How are we doing this new year? It's not your best, I'll be honest. You say that every time. How long that one take us to record? I do, to be fair. Yeah, that's a good point. It, I literally sat there and made it as we were chatting beforehand when we were talking about sausages. I... Oh, nice. I looked at myself in the mirror this morning, boys, before work, and I'll be honest, the um, adjective of gladiator was not what came to mind. Uh, but I'll take it, Jimmy. Thank you very much. Uh, Happy New Year to all of the listeners and to you boys as well. Yeah, full disclosure, I only got the gladiator. Is this our first one since New Year? It is, it is. It is the first one of the year. first one since last month, which was last year. Now, only because Greg said as he pressed record, he just said, are you ready? I thought I can get a gladiator's reference in here. Just peek behind the curtain for all of our... Does anyone watch gladiators? I, I, I watched the first one. I it's thought it was so quite bad. entertaining. So oh. bad. Okay. It's so bad. Well, there we go. Chalk and cheese on the panel. Straight, so straight bad. Away. I found it quite entertaining. Why, we why have they got Bradley Walsh and his son to host it? I'm a little unsure. I feel like Bradley Walsh should take it part in gladiators. I mean, I love Bradley Walsh, don't get me wrong, but it's a, it's a strange concoction, isn't it? Of, what, him and his son? Yeah. I would say him and his son are a fairly just, natural just concoction. Seeing as they're related. Well, <laughs> well yeah, that, that is... That is, but the, the concoction of... I feel like we've already got a podcast poll Twitter thing going on there. We could ask our our, um, our loyal listeners whether they think it's entertaining it's or obvious. so bad. Or if you like Deck and I, just haven't really well, seen see, it. Because you get so far where there's something that's so bad it becomes entertaining, which is what you call Starstruck. For anyone that didn't watch Starstruck, go back and watch no, it on ITV Play. refuse to watch Starstruck. Oh, Amazing. No. That's something that's so bad it's entertaining. But you yeah. can't take your eyes off it. Something else that's so bad Incredible. but also entertaining is us lot. So let's move on. Um first things first. You're say my hairline. Uh, no. It is no nah, Deck, yours isn't entertaining, mate. It's just receding slower than milk, lad. <laughs> I'll take that. Slower I'll than take milk. That, yeah, mixing <laughs> metaphors there. That's like I say, so slower bad we're entertaining. That's our motto for the new year, New Year's resolution, isn't it? That is a motto. So, yeah. next like week's episode on similes. Um, yeah. Right, anyway. Back yeah. on board. All right, all right, primary school <laughs> teacher. <laughs> definitely haven't yeah, been yeah. teaching those today. No, definitely not. <laughs> teaching, teaching was a loose term. Um, anyway, back <laughs> Fantastic. On. Right. Advising. It's been a, it's been a strange Advising. old month so far in 2024 football, hasn't it? We've, 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 you know, behind the scenes, we've been chatting away. What do we talk about this episode? There's been, obviously, the weather but paid to quite a few games around the lower reaches of the leagues and, and beyond. There's been a lot of football to discuss. Is there anything we want to particularly raise or start with? It's a bit of a mishmash an episode, this one. Anything we really want to sink our teeth into? Uh, do you want to start off with Jose Mourinho getting sacked and then go from there? I'll, I'll, I'll do the... Do you want to do a bit of that? Let's go for it. Mourinho obviously sacked. Was it? Well, it'll be fit. It'll be fit. Mourinho yeah. sacked this time last 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 Tuesday, wasn't it? Speaking. So it's twenty third of January today. So last Tuesday would have been, well, seven days prior to that. Yeah, I've got a few bullet points that I put in the in the group right. chat. Um, so I'll, I'll just go through those. Uh, the inflation adjusted is the highest spending manager in the history of football. Jose Mourinho. Uh, he's won two league titles in the last fourteen years. Um, Roma are currently 8th in Syria, 3rd best home record in Syria currently, uh, but away from their 13th, um, and he is now rumoured with a Napoli job, hmm. so um, take take all that information and mash it up and that's that's the most Mourinho, I mean, Mourinho thing they're, ever. They're only 8th because Daniele De Rossi took charge and beat Alas Verona at the weekend, uh, they were 9th um, when Mourinho was sacked, and I think what's telling is... That he has, he is the highest-paid manager, or was the highest-paid manager in Serie A, which we know is not the most lucrative league at the moment. Third highest wage budget in the league, um, ahead of Milan and Napoli, who were the last two champions of the league when Mourinho was there. And 
barring the runs in Europe, he's no closer to the Champions League. Comes sixth last season, sixth the year before, but obviously last season Juventus had a ten point deduction, meaning they ended up below Roma. It's it's not on the pitch results wise. You look at it, and it's not gone as you'd think, given the players he's had at his disposal, the money he spent in his first transfer window at Roma, getting Dybala in and 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 so many others. He has had to make sales. He sold players on the Saudi and, and around the place, and it, it's a funny one, really, because the Romanists they absolutely love him because he kind of plays into that underdog. You know, you don't have to sort of take shit from the the big Milan clubs and the big you know, Juventus up north. You know, I'm here. I'm a winner. I'm a champion. I'm going to make sure you're champions as well. And to his credit, he did deliver their first European trophy in about 50, 60 years. The first trophy of any kind since about. 2007 I think I'll have to fact check that one so he did have some success making the Europa League final last season as well but I, I, I think personally that was his downfall not necessarily because he lost that game of penalties to Sevilla but the whole Anthony Taylor thing the whole blaming the ref the whole car park incident if any of you remember that now that seemed to be the real turning point with Mourinho where he kind of he kind of went full character he stopped being just Jose the man, he was Jose the, the meme almost, and it was kind of like, all right, you lost a penalty shootout, you can't blame the ref for not winning a, you know, a, a cup final where it's, it's you know, it's someone has to win, someone has to lose, and, and he never quite recovered from that. The amount of times he was getting suspended, it wasn't a good look for him, it wasn't a good look for Roma, and ultimately if they're going to back a manager to get them back in the Champions League, he, you know, he hasn't qualified for the Champions League through the league since 2018, by the way. Can we just... Stress that since United in 2018, he's not qualified for the Champions League since 2018. As we know, it is now 2024. It's a funny one. I wanted to work for him. I wanted to work for Roma. I think they're a good club, but on the pitch and seemingly off it, it just wasn't working as much as the fans loved him. Is he um is he a manager deck that you do you not like Mourinho deck or is that is it is it Mourinho do you, do you do you think he's a bit of a clown um, or no, can't remember I, I don't mind Mourinho um, again I mean my my kind of following of the top flight football is much more limited than than the three of yours but um, I think for me Mourinho's probably one of the like the last not founder members but he's he's one of like the last old school managers about if that makes sense like. I think the next closest to that would be kind of like Klopp and so on. Um, who, by the way, I'm not a fan of. I think I've I've probably said that a few times, but um, yeah, I think I think the thing with Mourinho, he's he's had his time, but is he, from my perspective, is he still an absolute top class, world class manager? Probably not, based on his last few few jobs and appointments. And then you've got to look at exactly what you just said there as well. When he was, you know, going everywhere and winning everything with everyone. It's not like he's done it on like a limited squad. He's had like free reign of who he's signed, if that makes sense. So I think, obviously, you know, you're bringing these big superstars in. You've still got to man manage them. I'm not taking away from him, but um, I think maybe at times people do forget just how much money and, and how much backing he's had um, over the years. But yeah, he's a character. I think you've just got to take him with a pinch of salt, haven't you? Um, he's not quite as annoying as Ronnie O'Sullivan, but he's not far off it. Um, Probably the wrong podcast, boys, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, you just lost most of us when it comes to snooker. But I admire you throwing it in. Fair play to you. Well, I had to. Anyway, moving swiftly on. But yeah, I think I think it's just like everyone everyone expects him to do the unexpected, if that makes sense. And I think when he was at the top of his game, that kind of went went like for him, if that makes sense, because everyone was kind of willing him to do something stupid or something a bit different. But then he's kind of continued to do that and has maybe now kind of petered to be a fairly, I'm not going to say average manager, but he's not hes not the powerhouse that he was, if that makes sense, from from my perspective. Um, yeah. It's like, um, I, remember, I remember one of his first uh, interviews when he first came to England and he, what was it, I am not one of the bottle. Maybe he is one of the bottle now. Do you know, maybe that's, maybe he's just one of the numbers, you know, maybe he's just, just that. Um, I've always sort of liked him. I always, what's, I don't know. He reminds me of. He's just he is a rogue, isn't he? Sometimes, but he is somewhat harmless. Obviously, we we, we spoke briefly before uh, recording about Joey Barton, but we, we might touch that. We're not too sure. 
but he's not Joey Barton level of annoying or pain in the ass or wrong, wrong and whatever. I don't think Jose tweeting out some things Barton has to be fair in the nicest way. I, do, can we just clarify that? <laughs> no, well, in, case, no. in case Jose's lawyers are listening, oh, yeah. we don't believe that he would ever take to social media and say the sort of things that a certain Mr. Barton has, but yeah, moving on. What do you think, Matt, about Mourinho? Do you think he do you think he might get a top? Typical Mourinho. He, he goes is. somewhere for a couple of years, does a right job, and then just fucks something up and off he goes. He'll end up probably in Saudi on a million quid a week, <laughs> and he'll go and retire into one of his many, many houses around the world. I kind of can't be asked him anymore. He no. had, you know, he was not definitely not at the top of his game. Um, last season job he did, you could argue, was maybe United. Um, got Spurs to a cup final, then didn't actually go in the cup final because he got fired I sat beforehand he was good at a time but he's yeah old school but not my cup of tea anymore if you know if, if for any particular reason he got linked with a team I supported I wouldn't be jumping for joy but that way because you kind of know what you're going to get you might get 18, to, 18 months two years of something half decent and then he's just going to just get bored <laughs> and just one out and get his payout and away he goes so his legacy, unfortunately, is going to be that. It's not going to be his teams of the mid, you know, mid to late 2000s. It's going to be that going on. I don't on think Jose got bored at Rome, but he wanted to stay and really, he was lucky. His contract was up at the end of the year. Anyway, I think he was going to sit down with the owners, the family that owned them, the American family. If they didn't want to give him a new contract, fair enough, leave on amicable terms, or if they give him extension, fine. I, I, I just think his, his brand of football is so poor and so negative now. A lot of people certainly following the Italian football, I've been saying Roma have been so poor to watch under Jose. They've been so negative. And obviously, if, you, if you're a Roma fan, you know, in the city of Rome, there's two clubs, but, you know, one is, you know, so much more attention than the other in terms of Roma. And, and you have to say, what matters to Roma fans if they can't win the league? Their record against Lazio. Jose's record against Lazio is something like played six, lost four, drawn one, won one, including a insipid 1-0 defeat in the Cup in a quote-unquote away fixture to Lazio in the Coppa Italia. Obviously, they both played the same round, but where there was no fight, there was no desire, there was nothing, they went one down, and they didn't seem to, like, give it a go to come back into it. And that's the kind of thing that I think everyone will see and go, yeah, your time's up, mate. You know, it's better to just die on your sword than just, like, carry on being so negative. And... And yeah, I, I, I genuinely think it's a shame because he could have had a cracking career. He sh- for me, he should never have gone to Real Madrid. <laughs> I feel like that's the one that got it. I know he won the league at Real Madrid and, and did fine, but he was so hell-bent on knocking Barca off their perch at a time where they were like unbelievable. He could have stayed at Inter, carried on winning league titles, won the European Cup there. It shouldn't be forgotten. He did the treble there. He probably thought he could waltz back into Italy and do the same thing again. And, and it's not... The football's just not like that anymore. You can't play that kind of way and win big go big games and big trophies. It I agree, I think he'll end up either in Saudi or Turkey. There's a good Galatasaray or an Al Halal type role there for him. Or indeed international management where whether it be a Portugal, whether it be elsewhere where, you know, tournament football it's a case of getting results. He is actually still good at getting results, but in like cup games, shown by the fact he got to back to back European finals. But the way he does it is not pretty, and it won't suit any top club these days in Europe, certainly not. Well, we're at that situation where fans, and if you look at look at Spurs, for example, who have obviously got um, Postecoglou in this season, who it's not necessarily just about the results, it's the way you go about those results. There's a big, especially in the top, bigger teams, I should say, in inverted commas, where it's a well and good, you know, scrapping out 1-0s, but eventually... Football is an entertainment business, no matter which way you look at well, entertainment slash, you know, winning business. And there comes a point where, yeah, you might be winning games and performing to a certain extent, but if it's boring to watch, are you going to want to watch it anymore? And I think that's what he's, his downfall is going to be. He, he's never really played, you know, an expressive style of football, not in recent years anyway. And that's unfortunately going to miss. Why, again, I wouldn't be too happy if he came to, you know, if, for example, he got linked with Everson. I don't know why he would, but you never know. Strange things have happened. I wouldn't be jumping off, you know, out of my seat because it'd be like, oh, God, we might get a few results, but God, it's going to be tedious to watch at times. Um, and that's kind of his downfall, I think, in, in terms of recent, uh, modern day football, I should say, put it that way. I've just got a quick story about Roma and then we can move on to the next topic. 
uh, me, me and one of my mates went to watch Roma about four or five years ago. I uh, went to watch Roma against, I hope I don't butcher this name, uh, Sassuolo, 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 I think they're called. And that's the one. I knew Jimmy would get it. He's just um, defended half of Italy. Yes, they're coming for me. They're coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they don't really travel well, um, the, the, the team that Milan were playing, uh, sorry, Roma were playing against. And there must have been about 20 of them there. And the steward, there were that, there were that many... I think I think there were more stewards than the away fans, so the stewards decided to man mark all the fans. I thought that was quite funny. Um, so I I took a photo of it. I'll try and drop drop it in the chat later on. But um, they circled the fans, basically the stewards, like from distance. But you could tell they were like man marking them. And like my mate went, "That's the best man marking I've seen all season." Went, yeah, right, actually, yeah, it is. Yeah. Just make sure it's the right picture you drop in the group chat this time. Yes, on that debacle then. Yeah, you want to see that getting man marked? Yeah, we don't want that. Surrounded by twenty stewards. We don't want that, says Graham Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just just Greg sat on the steps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just me. Billy mermaids. So yeah, that was that. Um, do you want to go on to the next topic, Jim? What's your what have you got in mind, Jim? Anything? What do you guys want to bring up? I'm just here for the vibes, mate. (laughs) <laughs> let's ta- talk about the money grabber that's Jordan Henderson ah, well Ooh, for those of you well I've got an Ajax shirt that I've got blade. an Ajax shirt on tonight in honour of this but no it, it, it is just because I happen to be wearing it but go on Dak I feel like you're busting to talk about Mr Henderson no well busting probably isn't the right word but we'll, we'll yeah, go right with it, we'll with it. Um, I just I just don't get how anyone can back him anymore like he's left Liverpool fair enough I think you know his time had come to leave there. He's gone abroad for no other reason than for financial gain. I don't care what he tells the media, um, and that's backfired on him in terms of that he's now not taking wages from them for weeks and weeks or months and months because of the implications in terms of his tax. And then all of a sudden now he's back at you know a, a decent European club and he's he's ready to go and play and this that and the other. So all of this complete. Dross, I think is probably the only word I can use without getting into trouble. Of him going over there to try and develop the game and to, you know, to to make this kind of like, um, you know, statement signing over there and to this, that, and the other to kind of up level the quality of the game over there is a load of absolute. Well, I'm not going to say what it is. Tosh. Just to- yeah, let's stick with Tosh. Um, it's it, and people bought it. People were going, oh, what a signing it is, and this, that, and the other. No, absolutely not. And I think the only thing that he could have done personally that would have made him going over there um, acceptable, you know, with all of the, you know, obviously he was a big advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, etc. when he was playing at Liverpool and through England and whatnot. For me, he should have gone over there. He should have taken, um, taken his wage from, you know, wherever that's coming from and then donated it to charities that, that they're really dead set against. If he's come back to Ajax and just on, do you know what? Um, there's the money that I made, and that's going to go and help make a difference for X, Y, and Z in the game. But he won't do it um, because he's a money grabber, and there's there's no two ways about it. Um, I think that's me rant over. Disappointing, I know. Can can this? I mean, obviously, we're looking at the the division in Saudi. Quite a lot of big names over there. Obviously, Ronaldo, Benzema, Gerard's over there, isn't he? Would you apply the same for Gerard? Is he a money grabber as well? Are they all money grabbers? Yeah. Or? I think, yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, aren't like no way, my, no, my yeah, job, yeah. I could go and get paid three or four times as much to go and work over in X, Y, and Z country, but I've no interest in doing it. It doesn't, you know, I'd be doing the same job, but it's it's not. I just don't get. I think when when you've earned that amount of money, that sheer amount of money that you can't comprehend as to how you'd spend it, why they would feel a need to go over there and to try and I don't know, like promote. I get trying to promote the sport and promote the game and things like that, but then we also know all of the the dark side of things over there. I just don't. There's other ways to go and do it. Um, I think. Pe- Personally, I think Gerard's gone over there to try and prove a point that he can manage. Like he did a, a, a decent job at Rangers, 
but he had a club budget and Celtic were not in a good place when he did well and he's done nothing since then. And I think he's had to kind of go over there to maybe get away from because if he did it on another Premiership job or a high champ, high end Championship job and not done well, I don't think he'd manage it. Then. Um, so I think that's the reason he's gone over there is he's not really in in the limelight as much. If that makes sense, like people are aware, oh, such and such is signed over there. No one sits there and reads the league table, do they? Um, but yeah. Matt's laughing, I don't know whether it's just because he thinks I'm bitter against Liverpool and this, that and the other, or whether something else has gone on there that I've missed. The dog behind me going mental, because my girlfriend's just got home. I don't know if you can see it, you probably can't see it on your screen. And it's disappointing, Matt, that you're not running around your living room doing zoomies as well. I was before I started, came on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of my weekly uh, workout routine. Your rituals. See? There yeah. you go. So for what next Christmas, we're getting Matt's DV- workout DVD of him doing zoomies in a leotard. I like Mr. Motivator. Slash Big time. Excellent. Um, whoever Big it was. Time. Dressed yeah. as uh, Hulk Hogan. Dressed as, yeah. There's definitely a marker for that. Yeah, uh, get the Hogan tash out. Um, let's not talk about Hogan's videos. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> that's not a conversation we want to do. Certainly not on Rumble season. So, yeah, Aleti Fack. Who gives a fuck? But no, no, in all seriousness. Uh, it's hard. I mean, yes, clearly in the case of Henderson himself, you can say you're an advocate for LGBTQ rights and do all the rainbow armband, the rainbow laces, everything else when he's at Liverpool with England and everything else. That all that credibility, I think, as we've said, has gone out the window as soon as he touched down in Saudi. It was quite clear. His contract had still had two years on Liverpool, let's not forget. So Liverpool are the only ones that come out of this with any credibility. They've made money on a guy they weren't going to use as much. He's, what, 32? He wasn't going to play as often, which, judging by the fact that they've got a crack inside this season, Henderson wouldn't get in it. He's gone somewhere for stupid amounts of money that no one's ever heard of. They're not even one of the government-backed teams over in Saudi. They're, like, fifth or sixth best team. He wants to really play a mid-table Saudi League football in front of 600 fans. It's not really what anyone would want to do, to be honest, but... I think, yeah, all of this does just stink. And the only reason he's not come back to the Premier League or to England, because this is all about now playing somewhere to get into the Euro 24 squad, the only reason he's not come back to England is because he'd have to pay a shitload of tax on his earnings that he would have had in Saudi. There was talk of him going to buy Munich. They were never going to have him. Buy Leverkusen as well. They're not going to have him. I don't care, you know, how good he thinks he is. Leverkusen don't need him. He's gone to the next best option, which is about as close to England as you could be in going to Amsterdam. It's literally like a what forty minute flight back to, to to the northwest of England. It's actually probably a lot quicker to do that than actually go back to Sunderland and travel from Sunderland to Liverpool. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, you can see right through what he's done there, and he's lost all credibility in my eyes. And I, even then, he's gone to an Ajax team. It's a young Ajax side. They're not as good as they were. They're they're fifth themselves in the area of the visit at the moment behind, you know, Pierce behind Tovin, who I think have won pretty much every single game. Um, so, like, yeah, it's just it's just one of those. But regards Saudi generally, yes, it's not my cup of tea, personally. I wouldn't fancy going over there, but we're not footballers. We are we are who we are, we've got our views. If at the end of the day you're a footballer who's on the last year or two of their career and you've got the chance to earn, you know, you've done at European level. You're basically not going to anything again. You know, if you get the chance to go over to Saudi, the chance of winning trophies in Saudi and earning quadruple five times whatever your money, people are going to take it. But that's not to say that they're still not grabbing, seriously grabbing some ridiculous money over there when they could easily be playing in a probably arguably more competitive league in Europe or North America. Or indeed another more competitive league in Asia. Look at the Japanese or the Korean league. You know, the way that Torres and um, Iniesta did. Yeah. It's, you know, you've got to be careful what you say, really. You don't want to upset too many people. But I do think it's, people start to find now it's becoming a bit more soulless than they imagined it'd be going over there. It may change 10, 15 years. It's going to be a long-term project, clearly. But for now, the, the, the likes of Firmino and Milinkovic-Savic speaking out, saying they're not happy, they want to come back. It, it's it's quite telling at the moment, although we'll see what happens in due course, whether it's, it becomes more popular or not. 
Yeah, I, I can kind of see what you're talking about, Jimmy, in terms of like towards the back end of careers and stuff. And I think that's just where, on like an individual basis, that's where people's moral compass will will differ. Like as a as a as a player, I think as fans, our our view obviously will be very different. Where I can kind of understand it a little bit more, like if you look at, for instance, like Max Power, he will have made you know, relatively good money in the game, having spent the majority of his career, you know, low-end championship, high-end league one. And he's gone over there and he will be on big money. And I don't blame him for going and doing that because, I mean, I don't know Max's financial situation personally, but I would assume that based on what he's earned in the UK, he wouldn't be set for life kind of thing. Or, you know, he may have paid his mortgage off and have a couple of quid in the bank. But going over there for a couple of years is the difference in, you know, sending his kids to uni and being able to come back, maybe start up a business, that kind of thing. So from that side, I can see it. And I think... I suppose that's where it's kind of a bit two-faced in saying, you know, Henderson, who's maybe been on 100k a week for God only knows how long in the Prem, doesn't deserve to go over or can't go and do that. And then Max Power, who's maybe been on four or five grand a week, has gone over and has probably kind of done the same thing. But I can see why he's done it. And I think from my perspective, if I was in Max Power's shoes, I would probably go and do it as well if it's that kind of like easy cash. But I think it's just that thing of, you know, Henderson, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, obviously being a big integral part of the English game. Um, and I think just a lot of people have kind of lost lost a bit of respect for him. I think as, if he'd have stuck it out over there, but as you say, as soon as it's kind of hit him with taxes and things, he's run a mile and he's come back to something that he's much more comfortable with. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on from Henderson. Um what are we talking about next, gents? Oh, quick one from Greg. Sorry, I, I, I didn't even one. know about... I didn't know Max Power was over there, to be honest. I'm just Googling now. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just quickly uh, tie this bit up. But yeah, I agree with you there, Deck, because he, I, I don't think Max Power... Max Power won't have the money Jordan Henderson would have done previous, you know what I mean, before Saudi. You know, Henderson got to be, you know, millionaire, what have you, all of that. But Max Power, yeah, I can sort of understand why you would want to do that if you're Max Power, you know, playing for like Wigan and, you know, no respect, disrespect to Wigan and Sunderland and, and obviously Tramway a couple of seasons, well, 2011-ish. But yeah, I can sort of understand that. Um, do you think um, in terms of like players moving to different countries for money, do you think Henderson could have had the opportunity to go to MLS? Do you think that would have been on the cards? Because... I think morally, people would have been okay with that, do you think? Like, say, in terms of, like, I know Messi's over there and a few others, and Suarez is recently signed, but we, we probably wouldn't have had an issue if he'd have gone to the MLS, would we really, in, in, a, in a nutshell, I don't think. So. No, I, I, it's a funny one. I think that is an argument that it needs to be had, that why are we have an issue with players going to Saudi, but not to the US, when... I mean, if you're going to say, oh, it's through, all through, you know, obviously, there's cultural things, human rights, and not not Absolutely. to gloss over it, I'm just yeah. careful how I tread here, but yeah. we all know the US isn't squeaky clean, there's states in the US where there's morally dubious rules and laws, and Christ, they had Donald Trump in charge, so, you know, but that's for a serious amount of money. So, like, I, mm. yeah, I, I, I can see why people would have an issue with one, not the other, but also should we have an issue with, with, with both? I mean, it is, it's not a question I'm, I'm, I'm asking necessarily for us to answer right now. It, it, would, it would need to be an entire pocket episode on its own that we'd have to tread carefully what we say because we're looking at the geopolitical situations of the US and Saudi Arabia, which is something we are not qualified to do on this podcast. Um, well, uh, three of us. I'll give it a go. I mean, we can give, give it a, a go. go. Absolutely, one time for it. If 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 what could possibly yeah, go we, wrong? We, we, it's fine. We get cancelled. It's fine. We'll do a job at Henderson and we'll, and we'll sort it all. Yeah, and we just go. And we just go to Amsterdam. <laughs> sounds good. Um, sounds like a, sounds, sounds like a fucking good resolution. That. Yeah. So no, absolutely. Um, I've heard that they have naughty dames of deal or no deal. I heard they have it in your living room, mate. Decision <laughs> by there. Deal or no deal, it's not, not the biggest issue you've got to worry yeah. about in Amsterdam. I'm just going to say, Dex House on a Friday night, Christ. I'm say, who's dealing or no dealing, Jeez. but yeah. Um, more brass than oh, episode of Antiques Rosier in his house on the Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I like that. On that note, we'll... <laughs> Dickinson's real deal. <laughs> Declan's real deal. Dickinson, yeah. ah, yeah. ah, ah. <laughs> I can let I can tell you this, boys, there's no cash in my attic. That is for sure. 
Which concepts? Have you got any? Have you got any homes under your hammer? Swiping. Funnily enough, I haven't. No, no, no. Maybe not. Not this week, anyway. Mate, you've had a few bargain buckets. I think the man bargain hunts. Hey, I told you to leave my chippy tits out of this. New year, new me. Leave my chippy tits. New year, same chippy tits. I'm still reading oh, from the yes. Christmas dinner fiasco. Oh, man. I, I was <laughs> listening back it. to that. You've oh. traumatised the listeners. Oh, it went down well, boys. It went down well. Yeah, I didn't go out your head. It's the problem. Just on that. I know... Just no, no yeah, we, we did. I do want to know this bit. Did you get gout for Christmas deck? Um, funnily enough, now, I was a really drug boy all year. I have checked with numerous Father Christmases around the local supermarkets that I was on their drug list. And they all assured me that I was. <laughs> oh, good lord. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Editing job. And, um... <laughs> and I'm funnily enough, shut up. <laughs> they didn't deliver any doubt for Christmas. No gout. I just got socks. Bastards. I mean, that's not right. I got, I got cellulitis. He did. He, got, he actually got, he actually <laughs> got cellulitis. Did. Genuinely did. I was in A&E two weeks ago. Shit. And he's only just got out. Welcome to the We're All Getting Old podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're all yeah, we now we're all past 30. Yeah. I'm going to say is, I'm going to say it's, 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 it's a fairly serious sort of thing to get, and it is, if I'm wrong, it kind of ruined the illusion of getting it when it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's, it's quite common in older people. But if I let me, Nan got it yeah. two days later, it yeah. did kind of ruin the whole thing. Of, oh, yeah, 86-year-old Nan the had the same illness as you. This isn't wow. quite the f- oh yeah rock and roll. This is a bit like oh, this wow. is a bit sad yeah. now at this point. So yeah, yeah. there you yeah. go. Yeah. All I'm saying is, lads, if you want uh, some advice for everyone listening to the podcast, check your rashes. It could be anything. <laughs> Depends where you've got them. Please <laughs> yeah. check your rashes. You're listening, Deck. Sorry. Check your rashes. <laughs> There's the podcast title episode there. The check <laughs> check your rashes. rashes with check the Christmas rashes. dinner. One, two, three, four slices of bacon. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. <Look out. laughs> Gout or rash, <laughs> yeah. take your pick. <laughs> if you doubt, get gout. Oh, yeah, God. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, from diseases oh, to... Still reeling from diseases to, um, well... Can we, um, anyone come up with a transition? I'm Leverkusen, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, from, I from I infectious know. diseases to infectious... Oh, I don't know, man. The, the, the Reading the re- situation? From, from redness I mean, to Reading! There you go, from redness to Reading. Redding, to Redding, from Redding to Redding, so Redding to Redding, infectious diseases to infectious parasites like Die Young, the owner of Redding. There we go. The segue is down to one wheel, boys. It's not, mate. The wheels have been nicked a long time ago when Vicky Park the other night and the wheels got nicked. That's what happened. Fucking hell. It's down to some rusty alloys. It's on Anyway. Right. Reading situation, as far as we're aware, the Sell Before We Die group, a big protest group of Reading Football Club supporters, were at a massive protest against the, in the, during the game against Port Vale. Um, as an aside, Port Vale have announced today they are going to refund their supporters that travelled down to the game. Um, basically, Reading have had numerous points of deductions um, in the last few years for financial irregularities. Again, off-field problems. You know my thoughts on that. It appears that Dai Young is now... And his and his team are now more willing to sell the club than they were, because you know all the stuff that's gone on. But basically, the financial situation there is so dire they've had to lay off a lot of staff. There are assets stripping. I think they've sold a top player. I think it's Tom Holmes, one of the top players, gone to Luton in January, and it's it's looking disastrous really for Redding off the pitch. I hope you know. But, it, for a club that was once in the Premier League not lot long ago, within the last ten eleven years, that you know set the points record title for the championship with 106 points in 2005-06. It's a sorry, sorry state to see a, a club like that probably now dropping into League 2 next season and, and possibly even further. Mm. Purely because, well, I don't know where they'd be with the points deduct- without the points deductions, but for so many reasons off the pitch, it just, I've just hit them so, so hard and, and absent ownership. Hmm. It's a tough one. It's a real tough one to watch. I mean, I watched. Uh, they played. When did they play in the cup? Was it the third round. They were on telly. They played Eastley. Eastley in the cup, wasn't it? The, the second round. The second round to Eastley, I think. Second round. And it was on telly, on ITV. If memory says right. And to give ITV credit, they actually, when 
the situation kicked off with the tennis balls on the pitch, they explained what had been going on and didn't just sort of say, oh, we're going to pan away to shot to the ground. They did give them the full, you know, which is what the whole situation needs. And this obviously passed a couple of weeks ago with the Port Vale game getting abandoned. It's sad that it's reached that point that they feel they have to do it. Um, whether or not you agree with the pitch invasion, whether you or not you agree with that's the you know what you should do. Should you, if it's a situation that's off the pitch, should you leave the process off the pitch? But ultimately, when it's as dire as it is, something has to be done. And what it's done again is put eyes on it. It's put eyes and put focus on it to the point now where you've got teams around, you know, fans even across the country who are backing it. I've seen Palace fans in particular. Everton, I think, we're crazy. We can all but see what it's like to have bad owners. I know we're not anywhere near the level they are. Um, you know, some solidarity there, and that's what it's done. Most importantly, it's put focus on it where it needed it. Um, it's going to drag on by the sounds of it because the guy in charge sounds like an absolute tool. Um, it's asking questions of the EFL with their fit and proper tests. Um, at the time, you know, was he suitable to take the club on? They deemed that he was. Um, clearly, all these years later, it clearly hasn't worked, and there's you know behind the scenes stuff that's that's going on that. It's just appalling, really. And yeah, I feel for them. I feel for those fans who felt the need that the only way they could get themselves heard was to basically stop a game of football, which is... Yeah, it's, not- it's really curious. I'm a day young, because I've been listening to a bit about this on certain EFL podcasts. Um, I know Greg and I listen to one particularly, but also BBC have highlighted it as well. That Dai Young, from what, again, I'm sure somebody can fact check me on this, but from what I'm aware, Dai Young was interested in buying Reading or taking an interest in Reading when they made the 2017 Championship playoff final. And they played Huddersfield. Now, it was around that time, everyone was waiting on bated breath, not only to see if Dai Young would buy Reading, but also if it would be allowed. Because Dai Young had initially gone in to go for Hull. And Hull were in the Premier League at the time, and the Premier League had gone, no, you do not pass off him from a person's test to ownership. He went for Reading, and while the Premier League would say no to him, the EFL said, yeah, you pass. So basically, Reading were almost double whammied in that if they'd have gone up, they'd have had the Premier League money and they most likely would not have been allowed to have Dai Young by purchase the club. Whereas we know Huddersfield won the penalty shootout that day in 2017. Reading stay in the Championship after being so close, literally kicks away and then Dai Young's able to take over. Also around about 2018, let's not forget, we, we all remember the Chinese Super League thing. Dai Yong obviously is a Chinese national. English isn't his first language. He's not always able to make it. The business interests are in China. He's had a club from Belgium go bust, a club in China go bust. Him trying to get money out of China into the UK is hit with some serious tax by the Chinese government because they want to keep money within China now. That's something you know that was brought in around about 2018. Hence, we saw the dip in the quality of players bringing in the Chinese Super League, the foreign players. That completely, you know, look where that is now. Um, it's completely like Dai Yong's arse. I'm not making excuses for Dai Yong. He has been an absent owner. He has been really, really poor. You know, he's put money in for the first couple of years, spent massively and recklessly. The fact that at one point Reading were, two, were spending 234% of their turnover alone on player wages is atrocious. How have they been allowed to do that? And the EFL have since submitted with the tightening of the rules on fit and proper person says that Dai Young would not pass under the, under the modern day rules. But obviously you can't um, retrospectively go back and, and stop that because he owns the club now. But the Reading fans, they're, they're hitting Dai Young where it hurts. They're protesting, they're showing their shame, their embarrassment, their appearance to that side of, look, we are ashamed of this man being our ownership. And obviously that is something very big. In, 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 in any culture really is that, is that you, know, you don't want to feel that shame and that embarrassment, and using words like that, clearly are getting to his team and getting to his his um, chief exec, whose name escapes me. It's a similar kind of name to Dai Young, though. And that they're willing to sit down and discuss with sell before we die, and potential investors say, right, okay, we're listening now. We are willing to give up, and there is progress being made off the pitch. But will it come soon enough to save Reading this season? Probably not. Will it come soon enough to make sure they start on a level playing field in League Two next season? You sincerely hope so, but it's going to be a long, long run. It is a case now of damage limitation, take your medicine, and just make sure you've got a club at the end of it at this point. And that's how desperate it is. It is getting to Barry Bolton levels of, 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 of the story with Reading, which is really, really, really tragic to see. 
a club that's been going since what 1875, 1876. You know, that's an old football club that is on the on the brink as of one man. It's a tough thing to say, isn't it? Because at the time when you know, the money's being thrown about, and again, we can relate to this as Evertonians, Jim. When the money's being spent, you're you don't think about it. You don't. You just sort of think, oh well, you know, we trust it all to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Um, and when the chickens come home to roost, um, you know, people start saying, well, why didn't you challenge this when the money's being spent? And you think, well, we had no reason to challenge it because you assume that whoever's spending the money is not doing it in a reckless way. They're doing it because they want to invest in in the club. Um, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it will come. You know. All of it will come too soon for this this season. These things take time, as they always do. Um, you just hope, like you say, that there's a club at the end of it all that they've got at the start of League Two, and then they could hopefully, as other teams have done, I look at look at Luton, look at Bournemouth are in that same situation where you start off at the bottom and you work your way back up um, slowly but surely. But yeah, it's a, it's a really really sad situation, um, and I hope one that gets a resolution as soon as possible for them. Just touching on something briefly, what you mentioned there, Jim, that um, he tried to take over Hull whilst Hull were in the Premier League. Is that is that what you said? That is what I said. I I, I think it would have yeah. been around about 2016. So I think Hull were kind of yo-yoing at the time. So I think they would have been in the Premier League. I Again, I'm only kind of going off things I've and, heard and things I've kind of read. But he tried to take over Hull anyway and he was refused. So I'm guessing they were in the Premier League around that time. So it's interesting to think that the Premier League would have been okay. Sorry, the Premier League weren't okay with him taking over Hull, but the EFL were. Yeah, that's um, because they've got. What are they? There's no different person rules, basically. Which is fine. I I understand that, but sometimes in terms of, um, I would, I would have, I would like to have known why the Premier League. Had him as he's not he's he, you know why they thought to themselves that he is not fit and proper to be the owner of Hull in the Premier League because fair enough Premier League elite level you know competition biggest competition in the world or whatever arguably but at the same time I would la- like to have known what rules he sort of went against on their sort of tick box tick boxing exercise do you know what I mean that would have been something to to, to read into it's usually with those things it's proof of funds it's proof that you've uh, got the money you're you're, you're going to say that you're going to spend i.e. to write off debts or to whatever to purchase the club in the first place is usually the, obviously the biggest outlay um, it's the biggest issue at the moment if you read up on Everson's situation being sold to 777 is allegedly I don't know how true this is um, the Premier League aren't happy with what they've produced to say we have X amount of money we're going to do this we're going to do that I assume it's basically a business plan for what I understand um, my guess is it must well you'd assume again the Premier League and the EFL would be on the same page but apparently they weren't uh, wherever they are now I don't know um, but these things yeah you'd assume it's to do with him the proof of what he said he was going to spend and where that money was coming from and sustainability I would assume mm. don't quote me on it it's um... oh we'll quote you on it Matt we okay, will quote you on it fair it is. I was um Come at me. <laughs> I was I was sorry go on, go on Matt. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say I was it's a bit of a change of topic, but I was also gonna bring up um FFP, which is an interesting subject in recent weeks, I've noticed. Mm. Um it's coming back to haunt the lot teams. Newcastle are the most so, sorry to be pedantic. Do you mean the profit sustainability rules? Because FFP sorry, is the so UEFA version, profit sustainability is the Premier League version. I, should I don't know what the difference is, but there's right, different yeah. parameters for each. I can't exactly quote verbatim what I will they are. Say, I will say the profit sustainability rules. So, the, yes, the, yeah. again, what, my understanding of this is this differs again between the Premier League and the EFL. Yes. Um, the way the EFL is more stricter, I think. Again, you can lose a lot, a lot stricter, less of it three years. I understand of it. You can, but you also have to submit again. It's like submitting a business mm-hmm. plan to say, we're going to plan yeah. to spend this. This is where the <laughs> money's coming, etc. Whereas the Premier League system seems to work on a a backwards basis where they'll look back over three years. Premier League again, being backwards. And Nottingham Forest. Yeah. What are the odds? Um, it's quite an interesting thing to come up because it's cropped up recently that Newcastle cannot spend mm. any money in this transfer, or, or sell to buy, I should say, mm. in the January transfer window, which for the richest club in the world is a 
borderline hilarious. Um, everyone's thought, I mean, I think we've all had our thoughts on, let's call it FFP again, PSR, whatever you want to call it, in, in, in recent times. It's quite funny seeing other fans starting to kind of twig on the, hmm, this is a strange situation to be in where we've got all this money sat in the bank and we can do nothing with it because we don't bring enough in, even though we've got more than enough sat there, we can spend it anyway. Everyone's thoughts on it to see if it's, if it's just, yeah, everyone's thoughts on it, really. Um, oh, yeah, it doesn't seem to, um, it doesn't seem to add up in terms of um, copy and paste for every club. In terms of, I saw some of the, and I don't know if this is the, is, is completely in line with what we're talking about, but the the clips of the, would you call it a court case with Everton? I'm not too sure if you can call it that. I saw some of the clips on YouTube, uh, Twitter and some of the sound bites from that and I was trying to pick up the, the fellas from the Premier League saying that they couldn't justify this and they can't say that. And they kept a lot of cards close to themselves, didn't they, during the, um, the, ca- <coughs> the case that was being recorded. But, um, yeah, it doesn't... It seems like they're only... I don't know. They were. I think they were, they were trying. Somebody was trying to bring up the Man City, you know, um, problems and what have you. But they were like, "Oh no, no, we can't do that." And it's it's very difficult, and it's we haven't got the time and all this kind of stuff. But surely that they would have been questioned about the similarities between the clubs and you know breaking rules and all kinds of stuff. But so you you go next, Jim. Go on. I've, I've lost a bit there, but <laughs> no, look. <laughs> I'm all for protecting and safeguarding football clubs from spending so much they end up going bust or nearly bust. Look at Portsmouth, for example. Prime example of a club that spent for years beyond their means. Then the administrators came in and Pucker Pies rode 40 quid in the creditors. I mean, you know, something ridiculous like that. And they end up dropping down the divisions, nearly going out of business. I'm, I'm all for protecting and safeguarding football clubs. But my concern is one that is that what PSR is actually about? Is it to prevent clubs like what has happened with Portsmouth like we've seen happen down the years with Coventry the reality is that it's bad ownership causes that not you know, not just spending there's nothing from Newcastle as much as whether you agree or not with the fact they've got all this money to spend now because of whoever owns them. There's nothing we've seen from Newcastle so far or from Villa, you know, that suggests they've got really bad club ownership, as in the way the club is run. There's nothing to suggest that. What they want to do is build upon momentum and develop and become up there with the elite, as they have been in the past, both clubs, in the many, many years ago in Newcastle's case, you know, both big clubs, both wouldn't look out of place at the top end of the league and, and haven't done really given the way they performed in the last couple of seasons. My concern is more and more about, well, what do you want us to do? Nottingham Forest, I really feel for Forest if they get hit with points deduction. Oh, again, you know my point, my feelings on points deductions. I'm not going to go back over them. I think it's ridiculous that you get done for a sport and sanction for a financial punishment. But Forest, they've come up and they've spent all this money but to survive in the league because the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is so vast financially. Now, every club in the Championship operates a massive loss on the basis that they're gambling to make the Premier League. Forrest did that in spectacular fashion, might I add. And they wouldn't have spent as much as they've spent had they not had the Premier League money to spend in the first place to try and catch up with the other clubs that have, have, have gone up there. And yes, OK, there are examples like Fulham who've been ran pretty well, but they've had years of yo-yoing to get to that level where they can sustain themselves. Forrest, for example, OK, they've gone balls to the wall by loads of like 50-odd players over the last two years, but that's their money to spend. If they want to spend all that money and it goes wrong and they get relegated, so be it. Don't go punishing clubs for... You can't dictate to clubs how you think... They ought to be run. Everyone has this little box in which they're not allowed to stray outside of. And, oh, we're just going to protect this six, by the way, because they tried to leave the league at some point, but we only slapped them a three million pound fine and that was it. Uh, it. It feels very much of staying in your lane to me now. And I'm all for safeguarding clubs, all protecting clubs. Don't see any club go bust. 
But I also want to see other clubs achieve. I want to see more Brightons, more Villas, more Newcastles, Forest make good for themselves. You know, whoever make show there's some social mobility within not just the Premier League, but from the Championship up into the Premier League as well. That it's not just predictable, same old, same old, because it it it's just dull. Stinks a bit, doesn't it? The whole thing just stinks a bit when you read more into it. And there was clearly, you know, everyone saying, well, you know, all the clubs voted for it when it came in. Yeah, because I don't I'm say they were missold a dream, but I don't think the ever the end goal they were ever thinking of was Oh, was going to end up that if your club happens to off the pitch make a lot of money, i.e. because you're already a big club, that means you can spend. Well that that doesn't doesn't make sense. It it's still you've got to give the others a chance, and this is where I think you know, the whole Premier League is corrupt situation that Everson keeps coming up with. It, it's, it, yeah, it just stinks a bit. I mean, Everson's situation is an interesting one because we're arguing that the the loss of, is it 20 million quid, relates to the stadium, which apparently is then is now going to change in August, I want to say. is the, Yeah, it's, the rules are changed at the end of the season, um, so we're going to get done for rules that are going, out, going to be defunct yeah. by August. It's what I mean, which is where the whole thing's just a bit stupid. Now, again, if you ask every Evertonian, we're not denying the fact that we've broken the rules. We just think that the sanction given to us is just outweighs the breaking of the rules. And also, the rules you've got at the moment are kind of dumb. They're kind of stupid. They don't really benefit many... Well, they don't benefit all the teams. They benefit a few. Um, you know, And this is where City's situation is quite interesting because there's a part of me that hopes they kind of get away with it. It does not sound stupid, and I know it, it, you would think, well, why, why would you want that? Because if they found a way of making a mockery of the rules, good, I'm glad, yeah. because then it shows that the rules yeah, are shite. If they found loopholes, if they found ways of getting around it, if they drag it out, if they argue the task as long as possible, and if they happen to get away with it, good on them. I don't blame them for it, because you know what? It's their right good. to look after City, you, if, first and foremost. Yeah, of course you would. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just because you've got other clubs, you know, United, Liverpool, etc., and this isn't me having a go at them because they're bigger clubs in inverted commas, but if you naturally make a lot of money off the field, well, yeah, I don't suppose, I suppose you should be able to go and spend that money. It's absolutely fine. Um, but Newcastle's situation is a bit of a farce when everyone knows the money's there. You know, the owners could easily pump in a few hundred million quid and it'd be pocket change and it wouldn't make a big difference. Um, but the fact they've got to think about selling one of their best players just to be able to go and buy some is slightly daft. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'd be quite intrigued, but they were talking about this, the hearing is set for City, isn't it, at some point this year? Richard Masters couldn't say when. Um, the fact that we've been done twice for it is, uh, quite frankly, hilarious at this point, because it's like, okay, how much you know, how much worse can he get? What else are we going to be hit with this season? Um, this talks of a transfer ban, which I think would actually, be, for us, be worse. Bit of points deduction, which is saying something. Um, yeah, and Forrest, I agree. Forrest, no, you come up for the first time in however many 23 years. years. Twenty-three years. It's a huge amount of time. You've got some money spent. You're going to want to compete. You've got, and they stayed up, you know, relatively comfortably in the end. Um, and it's clear the club is not in financial dire. It's not as if they're falling apart. It's not, you know, a Reading situation, for example. It's not as if they're losing huge amounts of money. The owner is there and he can back that and he can do that. But it does seem like, it. yeah, the rules need... Well, I know they're being changed anyway, but it is slightly... Yeah, stinks. Best way I can put it. It's archaic, isn't it? And I think, what as Jimmy was saying there, about keeping the top six as the top six and, and whatever, that's that's all it is. And I think exactly going back to that like Super League and how they wanted to peel away, I think people have forgotten about that very quickly. Um, and how how people claim that those top sides are such an integral part to the English game yet they were ready to drop everyone else at the drop of a hat and if they'd have done that the whole integrity of the English game would have gone and I think the leagues subsequently would have completely not gone bust but you know the the whole thing of competition and whatnot was just made a complete mockery of it and like if you if you look at it from a non-footballing perspective for a minute so let's assume that the four of us all earn different amounts Right, so we're not going to, you know, pull wage slips up and do whatever, but we'll all earn different amounts, probably in and around the same region. But let's then say that someone else joins the podcast who's earning seven thousand pounds a month. Someone else joins the podcast who's earning ten thousand pounds a month, and we all go to a car dealership. Now, 
obviously there's going to be certain cars that we can and can't afford based on that. But let's say the person who earns £10,000 a month wants to go and buy a Ford Fiesta, and I go and buy a Ford Fiesta. We're both buying the same product, but I'm investing significantly more of my money or my capital into that car. No one can tell me that I can't do that. If I've got the money there to go and buy it, do you get what I mean? Like it's not. I know it's probably not the best example, but I think what I'm trying to say is, if a club has the money there, once it's come in in a legal form, legal, I should say, um, as in that that's where the, the the authorities need to be monitoring, and that's where all of this, in terms of the owners, in terms of is the money legitimate? It's not money laundering. It's not money coming in of profits of you know crime or war or this that and the other, which has happened. Um, that's where they need to be focusing themselves in on. And let's say, for instance, there's a multi-billionaire over in whatever country or here, and they turn around and they go, right, crew Alexandra, um, I quite fancy the look of them. Um, I'm going to give them the money to go and sign Mbappe. And they can afford to buy Mbappe, and they can afford to pay his wages. Why not? Once it's not, you know, if it cripples the club, it cripples the club. That's the gamble that you take in terms of the ownership, and that's that is where the leagues need to be watching in terms of the intention of the owners. I think there should be a thing where when people come in and they buy a club, I know with Tranmere there was a lot of talk of like asset stripping. They should be, you know, almost that they they sign a thing that they're not going to do anything detrimental to the club and so on. Almost like there's a a responsibility upon the owner. So it's it's no longer just like a big game of monopoly for these, you know, billionaire owners where actually if they cock up and they turn around and they go, right, you know what, we're going to leave there. We've lost £500 million, but I'll earn that back in a week. And, you know, hundreds of people have lost a job or hundreds of thousands of people have lost the club. That's the issue. And I think there has to be something in terms of where the authorities are checking and regulating owners, which I think is a common theme of what we're saying. If you look at Redden, if you look at Berry, if you look at Everton, you look at that. That's where the issue lies. It's not through clubs overspending or underspending in certain areas because that that never you know you never hear of a club who've gone say like at our level. Oh, we spent a hundred thousand pounds on a striker who didn't store any goals, and now we've got to sell our stadium rights to make the money back. That doesn't happen. Because clubs have got that common sense generally to not, you know, go and buy a Ferrari when they've got, you know, a Ford K eight on the budget. It it's just common sense, isn't it? Um and I think, you know, the the chains have got to be got to be cut loose and I think teams, especially at the top end, have got to be trusted a little bit more that they can as you say, with the likes of Forest and whatnot, there's big gambles to get up to that division, let alone to stay in there. And all right, then are we all happy to just sit back like it is in the Scottish division and let the same two teams challenge it out every year and, you know, one up, one down and everyone else just kind of sits in the middle and they're happy. If they finish fifth one year and finish fourth the next, then, you know, let's celebrate like we've won the lead because that's what it'll turn into. Um, and I don't think any of us want that. So, yeah, long story short, um, financial fair play is a bit like buying cars. That'll be uh, chapter chapter four of the Indeed. autobiographies box off there. Yeah, I yeah. just think it stops clubs from growing. I think you said about United, Liverpool, and Arsenal. There, yeah, they are undoubtedly in my mind the three biggest clubs in the country. They've got worldwide fan bases, massive success, based on years and years, decades of success and history. Now, great, that started somewhere. Who's to say why are we stopping clubs like Villa, Newcastle, West Ham, Forest, whoever? from having the opportunity to develop their fan base over the next 20, 30 years by having on-the-pitch success, whether it be at whatever level within Europe or the league, and becoming that same level over time. Why are we stopping that? Why are we just allowing the same three clubs, four clubs, whatever, to stay where they are? So it's not... I get safeguarding clubs, but also why are we not letting clubs grow? Because they should be entitled to want to want to grow. If done properly... We've seen it in the lower divisions. We've seen how well Brighton and Bournemouth have blown up as, as you know, Premier League clubs now from the fourth and third divisions. It can happen. So I just think give the clubs a chance to grow. And we're lucky in this country. We've got so many massive football clubs. We're not like Scotland where you've got Celtic Rangers. Maybe the two in Edinburgh and Aberdeen, but they're not on the same level. And then the rest. We're lucky we've got so many huge clubs with amazing histories. Let them be as big as the rest and let us all fight it out. But... You know, there's too much money at the very peak of the game now, and the drop off between that and the championship is what is so, 
so scary for a lot of football clubs and I think that's what we're all living in fear of if you're not in one of those six clubs. Couldn't have put it better myself. It's interesting that you talk about, obviously, the, the Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United 3 and a few others. If you were to say in, uh, let's, let's say, 1999, look at where Man City were. Obviously, they were divisions apart, uh, most likely. But look at the look at the, um, look at at where they are now in terms of where they are. Look at Chelsea in 1999. They were nowhere near as what they are, what they've, they've been in recent history, I should say, Champions League. I will point out, Greg, to, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Those two clubs are very, very lucky in the fact that their ownership came in and spent big before this all became this, an issue. That's exactly what I was trying to get to, Matt. That was exactly what I was trying to get. Absolutely. Also, apologies to interrupt as well. I think Chelsea were top on New Year's Eve 1999, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but we'll move on. I may have been wrong on that one. And City were in League One or whatever it is. But yeah, sorry, Greg. I get your point there yeah. as a general. Yeah, fair enough. Go on. Yeah. No, no, you're right. It's um, so. In terms of if we didn't have progression for the divisions, the top flight divisions, or any division, any FA Cup, whatever your progressions, or trying to go forward, Chelsea wouldn't be where they are now in terms of they've won the Champions League. They've probably won the lot in the last uh, twenty years, and most likely. Times. City have won the lot in the last five, six, whatever it is. They, they've they've done that also. But we, we, they've the Premier League of you know they haven't really stopped those from you know catapulting themselves into stardom of these mega clubs that they are now like you say the rules weren't in place back then but you could say you know we need progression as a, as a league as a division as a, as a country as FA Cups all kinds of different things we, like you say we want to see the Brightons and Newcastles and Aston Villas and different things like different I, I get fed up with seeing the same teams win this, the, the same uh, competitions and things like that it's a bit of a shake-up. It was a shake-up, obviously, when Chelsea were, were um, winning the lot with Mourinho and obviously perhaps doing it with City now the past few years. But it's almost as if they are, um, as you say, willing to just go, well, this is this is where we are now and these are the pillars of the Premier League. Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, and this is how we want it to be. But and the issue there is, is that yeah. the Premier League needs the big clubs. Absolutely. It, there's, and this is where they've... City have kind of got them by the balls to a certain extent because the Premier League needs Man City more than Man City needs the Premier League. This is, where this, this is where the Super League argument comes back into it again, where let's say, hypothetically, who were the teams included? You had City, Arsenal, Liverpool, United, Spurs and Chelsea were the six clubs linked to us it, with the Super League, I think I'm right in saying yeah. that. If they were to up and leave and go and join a Super League tomorrow, what would happen to the Premier League. Now, it's you could argue wonderful. it would then become a more... Com- well, it would be, I agree, but w- it wouldn't be the spectacle, and I hate to use that word, but it's the only best word, word I can use, that it is now. It wouldn't have the money, it wouldn't have anything else, and then I'd be quite intrigued to see what would happen with fans of those clubs, because there was such an uproar, uproar even, when... The initial plan was announced. If it did go through, what do you do? If you are a fan of, you know, Liverpool or whatever else, and you don't agree with that move, do you go and support? Do you just back off of ever support that club again and go to support someone else? I don't know. It's really intriguing. Yeah, I can't imagine they're going to support another another club in the football league because that kind of it would just feel a bit odd. Um, but that's the problem they've got. Is the Premier League needs to find some way if they want to keep those clubs about of doing it. Um, and the longer this goes on, you do feel that something's going to kick in eventually that's going to be some form of Super League. And you could argue the Champions League is already kind of going that way with the way the new um, coefficient system works where more teams than ever are going to be in it. England can have six clubs at some point, I think, if they get the right amount of winners in the Champions League, etc. Um, yeah, the, the Premier League are afraid of those clubs because... The vast majority of, of the eyes that come onto the, football, the Premier League come from fans of those clubs from around the world. It's the reason they can give out billions of pounds a year in TV, in TV deals, etc. Um, yeah, I, it's a, such a strange argument because you've got the rest of the league kind of not say relying on these clubs, but the, the heft of these clubs because they're the ones that can call the shots, and they and they are currently. Um, no matter which way you look at it. And I'm not saying that makes it corrupt or whatever else. It's just the nature of the beast that it is. Um, whether it will change, I don't know. Because something, something needs to. 
but what that is is above my pay grade. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think the Premier League's interests. I, I've realised this over many, many years, but it's made me slightly disillusioned with it. Is their their interests and what they want are diametrically opposed in some ways to what I would want to see. Not that they give a shit about that, obviously, but <clears throat> I want to see a competitive league with different winners and you know a bit of drama in there. And don't get me wrong, the, the league does have competition up the very top, it has competition at the very bottom, but I want to see it where, like, hey, like, Leicester was the best thing to happen to the Premier League in many a year. It, it absolutely was. You know, I, if anyone disagrees with that, fair enough, but it was completely out of the blue, and that's the kind of stuff you want to see. Okay, you're not going to get there every year. You're going to have favourites. You can have stronger teams than others. Teams are going to be worse than others. But I want to see a league that where you go into it, and half the league realistically say, we've got a decent chance of winning it this year. At least half the league. And you haven't just got six teams going, we're getting into Europe, you know, more often than not, and 14 other clubs going, shit, we might get relegated. Because that, for me, isn't a league. That's just... That's just dominance. It's it's not... But I accept that the majority of supporters around the world will support one of those six or three or whatever clubs that make up the bulk of the, the big market interest and in what's made the Premier League as big as it is. It'd be like taking Real Madrid and Barcelona out of the league. It'd be like taking Celtic and Rangers out of the Scottish Premier League. You'd lose that main core value, but what would be left are a group of proper hardcore fans that would actually love to see a competitive, close league where anyone really can be anyone. But I, there has to be a way in which... Um, uh, I don't want to say middle ground, but a, a compromise has come to because it can't continue the way it's going. Because it is becoming so ridiculous now that we're, we, we essentially become feeder clubs for six Premier League clubs. You know, the rest of Europe becomes a feeder club for the Premier League. And then 14 or so clubs become feeder clubs for a certain six. And what's the fun in that? It's, it's just the hierarchy of... It just becomes so functional and it does. it's not in the interests of sport and what we love about it. 